The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Avengers Initiative, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Welcome to the Avengers Initiative, Falcon and Winter Soldier, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, March 29th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus's The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Please welcome my co-hosts, Professor X. I get it why you want me to talk to Freaky Magoo over here. That's good. And Priscilla Rocha. I'm just going to start my staring contest right now. I love it. That was fantastic. Um, yes, that was good. All right. A podcast dummies for both of you. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 2, which was titled The Star-Spangled Man and debuted March 26th. 2021 via Disney Plus. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. John Walker is named Captain America. Sam and Bucky team up against a rebel group. Try to stretch that as for as much as I could because there's nothing else. Uh, it's teeny tiny, but uh, it's non-spoilery, and it is actually what happens in the episode, so it's factually accurate, as opposed to press releases that bring up character arcs that, um, let's just say, don't happen at all in that episode. So let's talk about this, uh, and we're going to start off by talking about John Walker as Captain America. We're going to talk all about him. So this is his entire arc in this episode. We start off getting a, I would say, a sympathetic John Walker. You know, a John Walker with the weight on his shoulders, uh, the weight of the vibranium shield on his shoulders. Uh, we see him with his uh, significant other. We see him with a really good friend. We see him get interviewed by one of my most favorite television people, Sarah Haynes from ABC and uh, Good Morning America. And then it all goes to shit because we, we get a John Walker that becomes increasingly unlikable throughout the episode. What did we think of him? Let's start off with Priscilla. I don't like him. <laughs> I didn't like him from the beginning. I don't like him now. Really? I See, I, I will say this, and, and this, sorry to interrupt, but I I thought he was, I thought they played him. I thought the actor and the writing and everything was written during that opening scene to make us sympathetic towards him. And I got suckered for those five minutes or something. I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe they're showing us a different side, and I'm going to give them a chance. So you're telling me they didn't sucker you? 
heck no, they didn't suck okay. on me at all. I was just like, I don't like you. You're not the captain. I, I, I felt like Bucky when he was watching the TV. Just like, no, this is wrong. You're not supposed to be carrying that shield. You are not Captain America. You're someone else. Give that shield back. Like, I just, uh, no, that's a bad taste in my mouth. Didn't like him. I love that. There is the line where she ends up telling him, you know, they're going to love you. And I'm thinking to myself in my head, like, no, we're not. <laughs> so, that's funny. Professor, did you get suckered in? Did, did you fall for the sympathetic uh, take on what, what the writers were doing in, in the opening? Was I the only one? Did you fall for that? Or did you see through it all and uh, you saw him as the... Um, uh, I don't know what we would. I don't know. I don't want to call him like a full-on asshole yet, but certainly um, he had assholeish tendencies as the episode progressed. I challenge the very precept upon which your question is based. What oh. did John Walker do wrong in this episode? He's got a beautiful multiracial girlfriend, so he's not a racist. His best friend is black. He's doing the press stuff. He is, you know, obviously, you know, a, a great soldier. Uh, he. He's a soldier who's been given a job that he's doing, and yet everyone's shitting all over him just because he's not Steve Rogers. I'm sorry, Priscilla, Steve is dead. You've got to get over it. Oh, my. So I think, yes, they presented him in a very sympathetic way, and even later in the episode when he was being a bit of a dick, he was being a bit of a dick after Sam and Bucky had been a dick to him. So, yes, he did. He was a bit dickish towards the end, but considering how bad they were to him throughout the episode, uh, I thought he behaved with remarkable restraint. He got Bucky, Bucky out of jail. You know, all he had to do was go back into the police station and say, hey, remember when I said let that guy go? I take it back. Lock him up. He didn't do that. Um, I, I think actually, you know, they're they're sort of playing off of our preconceived notions that if you're familiar with John Walker from the comics, he's an asshole. If you are still missing uh, Steve, and, and I agree, you know, Sam should have kept the shield, but he didn't. It's government property. They're free to give it to anyone else, just like with Red Wing. And, uh, you know, John Walker is doing his job as a soldier. You know, as a soldier, he couldn't say, oh, I don't want to do that. I can't. I'm not going to be Captain America. Um, you know, what did he do that was wrong? He's basically going through exactly the same arc as Steve Rogers did when he became Captain America. He's doing the glad handing. He's doing the publicity stuff. You know, it, it's uh, it's, you know, the only difference is the music this time is better. All right, so we all know who the professor's MVP is going to be. Actually, you know, I'm, I I could go that way, but my whole point is that you no, know, we I'm hate I'm him I'm because he's, no. he's not Steve Rogers. But again, Steve Rogers is dead. So, you know, our, our only reason for hating him, they haven't given us any textual reasons aside from a couple of microaggressions towards the end of the episode for us to have this overwhelming hate towards John Walker. And uh, uh, But everyone is reacting as if he was, you know, strangling puppies, you know, uh, you know from the opening scene. Well, no, in the opening scene, uh, see, I do disagree with Priscilla. Like, I thought they painted him very sympathetic. I would say the opening scene, because it, it bleeds into um, after the title card, but the, I thought the interview was really good. They kind of humanized the character because immediately at the end of the first episode, we, as you said, you know, he has a, a face you could punch. So, um Clearly, we were supposed to get a strong reaction to him at the tail end of episode numero uno. And now at the start of numero dos, um, I found that they did a good job of just making him someone that, you know, we could root for. 
but then he just became dickish throughout the entire episode. And I get it. I understand your argument towards, you know, why we feel he was dickish. You know, because we're rooting for Sam and we're rooting for Bucky. Like, those are our people. Like, we've known them longest. So we have, uh, you know, we, we are aligned with them. You know, we root for them. And clearly this character is coming out of nowhere thinking that he is supposed to be what he's supposed to be. And uh, we we feel a certain type of way about that. And I do get the counter-argument that, you know, they weren't necessarily the nicest of people. Uh, the most welcoming and the most open arms and that sort of thing. Uh, yes, they were not. I, I get it. Um, but I do think even on top of that, like, there was just something about him that I just did not like as the episode progressed. And I'm, I was like, he's going to be trouble. And listen, they gave him the, the best friend, and now he's, in essence, his Falcon. He's got his own code name and everything as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I did find myself uh, enjoying uh, Mr. Walker less and less and less as the episode progressed. Because I was just like, why are you involved? Like, I, I don't feel like he needed to be involved in anything. Like, he just kept trying too hard to get them to like him. He's a soldier. He goes where he's told to go and right. does what he's told to do. You are criticizing a guy for doing his job. He was just too much. He was, like, smothering them. He, he like, saved their asses. He was like, like me. Like me. I, I don't think he saved their ass. Wait, which which time? Uh, with the... Uh, the first, the fight on top of the uh, the trucks. Well, did he save their asses? Because he kind of got his ass well, handed they... to him as well. Well, he got his ass handed to him after throwing away his only weapon to save his friend. Yes. I don't know. And then the second time, I feel like... Bucky was going to get out of jail anyway. Like, all, you know, the therapist just had to show up and bail him out, uh, in essence. That's not what they said. What she said was, hey, I didn't do this. And then Cap stepped forward and said, it was me. So, the person you're hating is the guy with the adorable multiracial wife, the black best friend. You must be a terrible racist. Um, the guy who's doing his job who is a, a good soldier, who's not constantly questioning stuff, who shows up even when he's not invited to save people's lives, who saves his friend's life when he's going to fall off the truck, who uh, gets a guy who is you know, basically threatening him uh, released from prison and tries to give him another chance, um, and even gets the, uh, the conditions on his bail uh, fixed so that you know now the Winter Soldier can be active for the next four episodes. And that's the guy you're hating. Hmm, interesting. Well, technically, he All fixed the conditions of... Stephen Rogers. Technically, he's fixed the conditions to use him. Let's be real. It isn't because he enjoys Bucky. Let's just be fully honest about it. I don't it. think anyone enjoys Bucky unless they're looking at him brooding silently. But, uh, no, I, I think you're, you're giving... I don't think... Again, break it down. If he wasn't wearing Captain America's costume and he did everything he did in this episode, you would not hate the character as much. You are doing this because of... You're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're hating him for his clothing. You know, you're, you're hating for his laundry, uh, not for anything he did in this episode. Well, we're probably still not like him because our people don't like him. 
Sam and Bucky don't like. Yes, him. obviously, and 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 I'm not saying he's not going to be bad. It's just that if you are coming in from this with the assumption that he's bad, then there's no payoff to when he does break bad in a couple of episodes. You have no, to I feel you on the that. Are doing the writers are are very you know fairly playing. Look, this is a nice guy going back to his high school, beloved, good soldier. You know, not you know. Yes, he becomes a little dickish by the. The end of the episode. I grant you that, but I think all of this is, you know, I, and I think it's a mistake to bring that to it because then you're not going to be surprised uh, when, you know, when there is the reveal that oh, he is more of a dick than we thought. If you go into it thinking oh, he's evil, you're basically saying oh, he's Mephisto uh, before you see uh, anyone's character. There's the difference between him and Steve Rogers, though. That Steve Rogers didn't go to his high school at the very beginning just like to show off his his superpowers and to show that he was Captain America. This guy goes to his high school at the very beginning to show that he's the new Captain America. And it's like, you're showing this new patina of like almost smug perfection. But the thing is, Priscilla, that isn't the interview that was smug. He was completely humble. It was the reporter who brought out all of his accomplishments he never stepped up and said hey i'm better than you this was all and, and then again the writers chose to do that they chose to put the words into someone else's mouth so that he didn't have to say them they've given you nothing to base that on and you know priscilla you were saying that you know him going back to his high school well when captain america did get his powers what did he do he traveled around with the uso selling war bonds see i, I understand where priscilla's coming from but th- i don't think that any of that was of his own doing like i think it's it's the the government or whomever ends well, obviously up... you, you can't just go back to the school and have a full production with good morning america unless the government set it up yeah Again, he's a soldier he's doing his job and he even says to uh i almost said to bucky he, he even says to uh to battlestar you know i i never thought this would be happening i don't want to be doing this i want to be back in the field doing ops so in that sense, there was a very clear parallel between him and and Captain America when Cap was just getting started, not enjoying the uh, the the uh, uh, the Falderall. Oh God, how old am I? Uh, but not enjoying all of that stuff uh, side of it. And again, I think if you just look at what actually happened in the episode, rather than you know what we're bringing to it because of you know our, our affection for Steve Rogers or because of our expectation that uh, that uh, John Walker was a certain way in the comics, so therefore he's going to be that way. I just don't think. There is enough in this episode to justify the level of, of hate that we see towards him. Well, I don't know him from Adam or Eve, so I don't know him from the comics. Uh, I will just say, for me, he grew dickish as the episode progressed. That was my interpretation. I do think they did do a fair job of painting him very sympathetic in the beginning. I know Priscilla does not agree with that, but um, I do think that they conveyed that he was, you know, sort of an all-American soldier, uh, a good guy, and and that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, I did find him just... You know, and it's because of how our people reacted to him. If, If Sam... And Bucky would have been cool with him, then I would have been cool. But because they were irked, and clearly they were irked because of Cap, you know, I was irked as well. And, you know, I kept on seeing him shoehorning himself into what they were doing. And uh, that's when sort of my opinion on him was sort of getting formulated. Now, moving right along, let's talk about 
Sam and Bucky together. We got a lot of Sam and Bucky in this episode. Uh, Bucky ends up showing up to where Sam is right before he's going off on a mission and is basically like, you know, did you see what happened on the TV? You know, did you know about this? Uh, Sam denies it. There's a lot of banter. There's a lot of interplay. A lot of this was like just a showcase of the incredible chemistry that uh, both uh, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan have together. I've got to say that they, you know, they have such incredible chemistry. And if you've seen them in interviews, just interviews, period. I mean, they have great chemistry there as well. Clearly, they are friends, if not incredibly friendly in person, because I think that's the only way you can really, truly act. Like, you have to have great chemistry off camera to have that great chemistry on camera, but not just great chemistry, but being able to have the type of chemistry where you're playing that you hate each other. Because that was them in this episode. We see them just really disliking each other. There's so much interplay with them in this episode. I mean, it was just spectacular. Let's talk about them as two characters. Uh, just the interplaying that they were doing, but the sort of like the, the antagonistic chemistry that they have that worked so well in the second episode. Uh, Professor, what did you think of uh, Sam and Bucky together? Well, I said last week, the one thing missing from last week's episode, which was you know, otherwise really great, was we didn't get Falcon and Winter Soldier together. In this episode, we got plenty of that. If it's possible to have too much of that, maybe we did, but I don't think it's possible to have too much of the Falcon and Winter Soldier, because these are two characters, you know, you've mentioned the two actors in real life have a great relationship, have great chemistry um the interesting thing is you know that they, they, they're both defined by their relationship to captain america and you know their relationship to each other is completely different from either of their relationship to cap you know they had this very antagonistic you know it, they're, they're very much brothers you know you get the sense that you know it, there's the antagonism there's the staring but it's you know they're clearly doing it to needle each other um and but but you know underneath you know you you do get the sense of, of the affection, you know, the, the willingness to, you know, take a bullet or jump out of a plane or, you know, uh, you know, save uh, the other person, um, you know, not just because they're soldiers, but because they really are friends, you know, they love each other. And, you know, that was what the, uh, you know, the, uh, they were trying to get at in the, uh, oh, the therapy scene. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and I think obviously, you know, uh, part of, you know, uh, this will be them coming to real realize that, but to know they're, they're, you know, they're, they're just, they're just so effortlessly funny together uh, at all times. Times. They're, they're great, you know, um, uh, very much, you know, sort of an older brother, younger brother, Andy, Ma and, you know, I would say Anthony Mackie's playing the, uh, you know, the, the annoying younger brother, uh, and, uh, well, appropriately enough, given that he's, what, 80 years younger, uh, but no, I, I loved it, off the charts, chemistry, every scene, you know, the kind of, you're not coming along to just staring, and it's pretty clear from the scene that they have spent that entire plane ride staring at each other. Mm-hmm, and not talking. Spectacular, Priscilla. What about you? Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that therapy sequence because uh, you know we have uh, both of them with the therapist that we fell in love with in the first episode, just based off of her interaction with Bucky, and now we have the three of them in a room together doing these uh, you know 
trust exercises, you know, try with the therapist trying to get to the root of the problem. Uh, I want you to talk to me about uh, the two actors working together in that scene, but also I want to get to the revelation that was made because there was a pretty big one in in that scene and and I know a lot of it was played for laughs with the staring with the closeness of um both of the actors part of me thinks that they were playing with um the you know sort of like the internet meme because there's a lot of um there are a lot of fans out there that have uh, uh romantically paired Steve and Bucky in fan fiction and stuff on the interwebs. So I wonder if some of that was, you know, just playing to that fan base. But um, uh, the, the big revelation was that Bucky was like, why did you, you know, why did, why did you abandon the shield, basically? Because Steve picked you. Steve believed in you. And if you didn't feel that Steve made that right decision, then maybe he was wrong about me. No, maybe he was wrong about you. And if he's wrong about you, then maybe he was wrong about me. Yes, but that was the end. That was the whole, at the end of it, that was what it was. But Priscilla, give it to me. What did you think? I fucking loved that. I loved that breakthrough. I thought it was so powerful. Like... Oh my god, Bucky, the guy that never talks, finally talked and he gave something meaningful about Cap and he about their situation and he finally broke. Miles of therapy just gone through in one session. Like the therapist should have been like clapping with joy and been like encore, encore, give me more please in the background. But like it was promptly ruined by the fact that Anthony Mackie was just kind of like, just shut that down afterwards by being like, it does, you know what, it doesn't matter. We'll just do what we got to do with this. And then afterwards, we'll both have vacations far away from one another and we'll never have to see each other again. Sound good? Good. Bye. Like... He shut it down so quickly. Yeah. Well, because Sam needs to go through the work as well. Uh, Clearly, Bucky has been going through therapy, and he's been working through, and that's how he was able to make such a profound statement. But but I think what the professor said is what's going to end up happening. Whatever journey they're going to go on for the next couple of episodes is clearly going to bring them closer together and and I would say this is at least this is my hope that by the end of this series uh, we're going to have them uh, officially truthfully as friends and uh, as I don't know if I want to go the route of saying best friends but just you know two individuals that are much closer at the end than they were in the beginning I mean they have commonalities they have connective tissue that uh, brings them together but they don't have a connection and I think what is going to end up happening to them is maybe what's going to lead them to have that connection at least that's what I hope I don't know if you have the same hopes for their journey I kind of hope that they're more than just com- comrades at arms, that they're more than just, like, I hope that they end up Captain America and Bucky. Like, I hope that that's what happens in the end. That Anthony Mackie fully takes on the mantle of Captain America and Bucky 
stops being the Winter Soldier and just is Bucky. Like Cher. The assistant or like the the person that is always with Captain America. I love that. Bucky the assistant. Then, you know, put that on I action figures. <laughs> I don't know what you, what, what you would call him. He, the the wingman, apparently. Yeah, no, that's not the thing you're supposed to say, apparently. Um, the other thing that was interesting about that conversation, and uh, I don't know if you picked up on it, Priscilla, but um, when Sam was talking about why he didn't pick up the shield, we got another little line that had, I think, a lot of subtext that I think is something that Sam is going to fully be able to express at least I hope, before the series ends. And that's, um, he was like, you know, it's a personal decision. You wouldn't understand it. Cap wouldn't understand it. But I understand it. Like, I know why I didn't pick up the mantle. And I think a lot of that has to deal with race. And we saw another scene in this episode, this one a lot more overt about the black experience in the U.S., we had, uh, we'll talk about Isaiah in a moment, but we had, um, we had uh, Sam and Bucky on the streets, uh, you know, having a, not a full-on argument, but having a loud conversation that was a little bit heated, and the police stop, and immediately, what's your ID, they they uh, turn to Bucky as the white man and are like, is this man bothering you? You know, talking about a black man in, in, with his interaction, uh, with, with this heated interaction with the white man. Uh, it wasn't until, do you not know who he is? And they're like, oh, you're an Avenger. And then the cop sort of stupid, oh, I didn't recognize you with your goggles. I was like, really, dude? Um, but it was an, it's another scene, much, sim- much like what we got similarly in, in the bank, where race is at the forefront. Priscilla, did you get that? Was I the only one that sort of just jumped to that I think uh, Sam is going to intimate, or he has been intimating, that at some point Sam is going to express his hesitancy to pick up the shield because he's a black man in, the, in America, in the United States. Oh, no, I picked up on that real quick, especially when later on in the episode, he got so heated when he found out that a super soldier that was going up against um, the Winter Soldier that was from America was a black man. Like, that bugged the shit out of him. That He's like, there was somebody before me, like, it, 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 it ticked something off in him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know who he's going to express this to, but uh, I look forward to hearing that conversation. Because uh, as we referenced in the previous podcast, in, our, in you know the first discussion that we had about the series, race isn't something that really has been tackled in the MCU proper. Uh, you know, they did it in Black Panther, and uh, they haven't really done it in any of the, the other films. Uh, I mean, Luke Cage on Netflix when that was at one point a part of uh, the MCU. I mean, they did a really great job of handling it and, and dealing with it and, uh, you know, just expressing it. But uh, you, we haven't really seen any of the series uh, or any of the films outside of really Black Panther do it. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that's handled 
on on this series, and and clearly it's going to have to be handled because, as Priscilla referenced, we are introduced to another super soldier. So uh, the uh, our, our group if sort of uh, understands that they're dealing with super soldiers with the flag smashers. We're, we'll talk about them in a moment, but because they realize that they're dealing with super soldiers, that leads them to a detour to Baltimore. And that's where we are introduced to Isaiah Bradley. And uh, we're, we're introduced to him as, um, well, he's introduced as an acquaintance or someone that Bucky knows. Turns out that they uh, were adversaries because uh, they met during the Korean War. And they got into a skirmish at uh, a uh, bar. And uh, Isaiah had, uh, or he left the bar with, a, what did he say, like half of uh, Bucky's arm. We don't get the reveal unless you knew the name. You don't. We don't really get the reveal until he throws, I don't even know what that was, but he threw something and, and it gets sort of like embedded into the wall. So we realized he's super strong. That was like the, the shocking moment. Um, for those that know the comics, um, he like he's a major character from the comics his um i don't know if that was his son or his grandson but uh but he's a major presence in the comics as well as one of the young avengers another young avenger being introduced into the MCU is hella interesting because you know the future is sort of staring at us right in front of our eyes professor what did you think of the introduction to Isaiah uh, the, our introduction to Isaiah, uh, what do you think it means for the series moving forward? Do we think we're going to see Isaiah again? And, uh, yeah, what did you think? It was it was a small scene. Carl Lumley did a fantastic job. Um, there's a part of me that hopes that we're going to get some sort of flashback with um, with him or, or a younger actor playing him. Uh, because we got um, we, we got uh, it, the sort of like the real nitty gritty of what it would have been like for a black man to be, you know, a super soldier for the American army. I mean, he was brought back and he was imprisoned to be experimented on because he was the only one that I guess could uh, or survived with the super soldier serum in him. Um, what did you think of Isaiah, Professor? Oh, he was great. I uh, love Carl Lumley. Um, man, he, he must have really, really gotten jacked for this role because he looked like a super soldier. Um, and, you know, seeing him uh, uh, as the Martian Manhunter's father uh, over on Supergirl, he was never this jacked. Uh, such a great voice. Um, you know, such such depth and pathos. But I agree we do. I don't know. I I don't know if we need like, you know, a flashback with the D.H. Carl Lumley or or something like that. But we need a lot more on the story uh, because all we've heard from this is that, you know, obviously they were. We're experimenting, trying to recreate the super soldier serum because that's never gone wrong. Um, it worked on him. He was serving in the U.S. military successfully, and then he ended up in prison for all those years. And we're missing a big chunk of the story. How did that happen? Was he locked up for the crime of being black? Did he do something? Uh, are there possibly side effects from his version of the super soldier serum uh, that we don't yet know about? I think you know Carl Lumley's decision to play the anger uh was uh was something there and uh you know remember what erskine said is that you know the the super soldier serum 
magnifies whatever is within you. Um, so if he's, you know, uh, uh, you know, a black man dealing with the, you know, the, 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 the times in which he was living, say nothing of the times that we're living in now, would, would it be any wonder that, uh, that it might lead to, uh, to anger issues? Um, so, yeah, I, I think we definitely need uh, more backstory on that. If we don't get anything more with his grandson, if that was just sort of, you know, the, the wink and the nod introduction for Young Avengers down the road, um, I don't think we need to go the full uh, Elijah, you know, developing powers or anything like that. But I do think think we need a lot more backstory uh on him because again you know just talking about you know we, we've been talking about you know the, the sort of the overarching theme of this uh, this show is legacy right uh you know sam not thinking he could handle the legacy of captain america uh you know john walker trying to take up the legacy uh you know bucky trying to deal with the legacy of his time as the winter soldier and i think to find out that there was a black man who was essentially erased from history who was effectively Captain America, whether they gave him the name or not, um, is an important part of that legacy. And I think it's an important thing, uh, you know, A, for the MCU to uh, to explain, uh, because, as you mentioned, this is a show that is dealing with this issue in a way that other shows can't. Uh, but also, I think it's something that Sam has to, uh, to understand and reconcile, uh, you know, if he is going to be able to take up the shield by the end of the series, as we all expect and hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I co-sign a lot of that. So when he does it, Maybe if he's not doing it so much for Steve as he's doing it for Isaiah. Yeah, that's very true. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, uh, certainly this opened the door for interesting conversations um, with, you know, just about what happened to Isaiah. I did think uh, Bucky's sort of response at the end, because, you know, Sam is kind of really persistent of, like, why didn't we know this? Why didn't you sell Steve? Like, why didn't Steve know? And that sort of thing. And at the end of it all, Bucky's basically like, you know, I, I felt like he had been through a lot already, you know, and I, I just, I really didn't want to, you know, I, I guess, you know, bring this all back up again for him, because he had been through so much. I, I thought that was a, a sort of like a really nice... um uh, it was a nice reason, uh, and it was understandable, I think. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's talk about Carly Morgenthau, a woman with fabulous hair. And it was interesting, because uh, Priscilla mentioned the hair in the previous uh, podcast, and, and we got the hair. So we see her in this episode. She is showcased in the first um, action sequence that we, we see. It's, um, it's, it takes place on the top of two semi-trucks. We learn in that fight sequence that all of the Flag Smashers, basically, have the Super Soldier Serum. We learn that the Flag Smashers, uh, yes, are doing things in a violent way, but at the end of the day, at least when it comes to them and their ideology, they're doing good because they're bringing vaccines and food and, and all this kind of stuff. They're, they're helping people out that uh, they feel have been forgotten by the Global Repa- Repatriation Council, the GRC, because they are so focused on the people that have returned after the blip, that they feel that uh, they are ignoring the people that were here, 
during the blip, and then so that's why they don't like the GRC, and that's why they're taking things into their own hands. They have developed a cult following. We see uh, sympathizers that welcome them into their house to sort of like hide them, provide them with food and intranet and all that sort of thing. Um, they, I feel like the writers did for them kind of like what they did for John Walker. I know Priscilla did not agree with this. I don't know if she agrees with this, maybe. Uh, but I think they, the writers, and I will also say that I feel that um, that um, that the actor, uh, Aaron Kellyman, I feel like she as Carly, like she, they they wrote her and uh, she expressed her as an actor. In, in a very sympathetic light. Like, I think we were supposed to understand their cause in this episode. And they they um, made her human, even though she's a human with uh, super soldier serum, and she fought uh, the people that we are rooting for. I think the writers made her a, a very sympathetic character in this one. We also learn that there is a shady and nefarious person, because there's always a shady and nefarious person, that seems to be behind everything. Uh, Carly ends up getting a text saying, you know, you took it from me, you know, I will, uh, um, you know, I, I will uh, get back at you, or something like that. You know, I will get my revenge, in essence, is what, what it, how I sort of interpreted it. Uh, we learn that there is a mysterious person called the Power Broker, that is after them. I would assume that the power broker might be behind why they have powers, or maybe they stole something from the power broker, and that's how they got powers. Uh, that's how I sort of interpreted the text. Um, one of their, one of her people ended up uh, holding off the power broker's minions from getting to them, although he didn't really do much. He just pushed over. You know, an electrical pole, and then he just... He was a bullet pincushion. He basically. really was. And I was thinking to myself, couldn't he have just hopped on the plane? Because it took them about the same amount of time to take off that it took them to get to where he was. Like, it just... I was like, if I felt like he was... He sacrificed himself for nothing. Although it did, once again, show us that Carly is a human, because she shed a tear. So... There was that. Maybe that that's what we had to see. But Priscilla, what'd you think of Carly? What'd you think of the way that the writers tried to make the Flag Smashers a tiny bit sympathetic-ish? Did you did it work for you? Maybe a little bit more than uh, the John Walker situation did. And uh, what did you think of the little setup that we got for a potential bigger bad with this power broker? Yeah, I felt more sympathetic to the Flag Smashers than I did to John Walker. <laughs> a lot more. Okay, good. Like, is it weird that I feel like they're the mini bad guys to a more all-encompassing bad, bigger bad guy with a power broker who I think was probably going to be working for the Global Repatriation Council who probably gave powers to John Walker which explains why he can use the shield so well and why he was able to jump from a helicopter onto a truck and not get hurt and why he was able to be kicked off of a truck and not not be completely hurt and, like, still manage to be fine. 
Whoa, good lord. Okay, did you create a murder board for, the, for this? Or are you going I, off of some comic book knowledge? I, st I think it's a hydroplot. Uh, really? I think it's a hydroplot. I think it's a hydroplot. I think the power broker is working with Hydra. I think with that... It's working there, and with that, they're working with the Global Repatriation Council, and that's where they made this new Captain America. And he's going—he's he, either going to have powers, or he already has them. And with the way he worked with um, the first fight scene, it makes me think he already has them. That's but, interesting, uh, Priscilla. Priscilla, don't lean in. So close to your microphone, I'm hearing your tinfoil hat rustling against it. I know. I was, okay, so Priscilla, where does Mephisto fit into all of this? Oh my god. Oh my god, John Walker is Mephisto. It makes perfect sense. Well, he's yeah. a, he is a white devil. Aww. It's not that bad. No, I mean, that's fascinating. I mean, clearly I feel like Power Broker... I mean, it's a play on words. I'm assuming he's giving people the powers. That's why he's the power broker. It's a fascinating theory to like tie the power broker with the GRC. I mean, we got both names dropped in this episode. Um, I do wonder if it's coincidental. Uh, I, I I love like I imagined like a murder board in front of you where you're like connecting the yarn and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm along for the ride, Priscilla. I think it's really interesting what you just said. Um, I don't know if that's where we're going to go, but it was hella fascinating. Um, uh, what'd you think of our girl with the, with the luscious, uh, locks of hair? <laughs> I thought she was sympathetic. I still kind of am up in the air as to what the Flag Smashers are trying to do. Cause yeah, I don't, I don't really understand it either. They want one world, uh, one nation, or united as one, whatever the hell they want to do. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. I mean, is, is this... Uh, yeah, I don't know what that means. And I don't know how they're going to... Because they want it to be like how it is during the blip. So does that mean that they're going to kill everybody that returned? Like, I don't get, like, the whole theology behind whatever they're trying to do. Like, they haven't explained it yet, so I'm kind of confused. Because it, to me, it sounds like I want it to be like when it's during the blip. So that means you're going to get rid of half of the population. So they're going to go all Thanos, but they can't really snap their fingers. So I don't, I don't know what it means. And I don't know what they want to use the serum for. Like they don't have enough to like give it to everybody to be like, uh, to be like the guy from the Incredibles to be like, okay, so when everybody has superpowers, then no one will be superpowered. Ah, ha, 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 like that, that sort of thing. So what are they bringing the serum for for more people that are like them oh wait okay the tinfoil hat was a joke at first but now seriously crimp it down because the waves are getting through no here's <laughs> the thing oh my god priscilla still is an anti-vaxxer oh my god you think the anti you think the vaccines are going to uh, make you buy microsoft products don't you no i never put two and two together of the 
vaccine that they found of that being the super soldier serum. You think that that vaccine was not vaccine. I'm now I'm using vaccine in air quotes. You think that was super soldier serum? Yeah, I think that's super soldier serum. Professor, did you think that too? Am I the only one that did not think that? Uh, um, I didn't think so. Uh, I just find it, it's fun to say super soldier serum uh, a bunch of times fast. Um, I think it is, it's possible. I think it would explain that, uh, that, a text that Carly got from the power broker, uh, basically saying, you know, uh, you stole something from me. I'm going to kill you. Um, I, I, I hope that I hope it's not true because I don't think there should be that much super soldier serum out there. Um, uh, again, getting back to the Incredibles, if everyone has powers, no one has powers. Uh, and, uh, given the fact that most of the times, again, in comic book can anyway, when people get the serum, uh, things tend to go badly for them. Um, so yeah, I think it is possible. I think it's unlikely. However, I think that this was just a shipment of vaccines that they are taking to, uh, uh, help people in the displaced persons camps. Um, uh, although they, they did have that cryptic thing about, you know, within 24 hours, everything will change or whatever it was, uh, that they said about that. So it could be that they're planning on, you know, dosing up a bunch of people with super soldier serum, but I doubt it. I think this is probably just vaccine. Sometimes a vaccine is just a vaccine scene and um i think the uh uh the the text from the power broker was more dealing with the fact that you know the fact that uh, carly and her flag smashers do have uh superpowers is because they stole that from him i think the vaccines were really more of a, a red herring and a way of uh of showing us you know their uh you know uh, as you were saying jeff you know they were presented in a very sympathetic light from the ordinary person uh you know, who's welcomed into their house to the fact that, you know, they weren't total dicks, uh, you know, uh, well, there's uh, that. Although, yeah, they, they did, you know, they were attacked first, um, and they were stealing vaccines, but they were stealing them theoretically for a good purpose. But no, I agree that, you know, a lot of what they did in this episode was to humanize the flag smashers because, you know, really up until now, we just had the idea that, uh, uh, that, uh, you know, they're, that they're just out there, you know, as, as the sort of generic bad guys. I agree that the power broker is probably a bigger bad than they are. Probably Zemo is going to turn out to be a bigger bad than they are as well. And I think the Flag Smashers will probably end up being good guys uh, by the end of the series. If not good guys, at least allied towards a similar cause. Um, if, uh, if Priscilla wants to tuck on the uh, uh, tinfoil hatch a little tighter, what if the, uh, the, the G-whatever-C it is set up the Flag Smashers as a false flag operation to fool everyone into thinking that this is going on so that they can clamp down? Oh, so the flag smashers are a false flag. Exactly. So false flag smashers. Also fun to say. Uh, but getting back to what Priscilla was saying, John Walker clearly does not have superpowers. Look at the way he had to climb back up when they knocked him off the truck. Okay, this is just an ordinary guy, and that's going to set up something which I'm sure will happen in the next few episodes. Well, because that is true. I, now, I, I will co-sign with the professor about that, because we also have to remember that Sam is not, he does not have super soldier serum in him either, which has always made me very nervous, because if he's going to be kept in America, I kind of feel like they need to juice him, just because, you know, we can't have him falling down and, like, breaking his back or something. Like, he needs to... We need to talk about him like he's an eighty-year-old man. We need, <laughs> we need to do some before he breaks his hip, Grandma. I, I, well, you know, I don't. I just, it's just I don't want to see Sam hurt. And when we need you're to give a, him a shield and a walker. 
is what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, John Walker. There you go. Hey. But but yeah, like I feel like he needs like cushion because I I just don't want him hurt. Like he's our precious. Bucky's our precious. Like we don't we can't hurt the precious. So I hope they like if he does end up taking the mantle by the end of it, like I hope that the, he gets like a super soldier serum without any side effects so that he can take on like super powered people as Captain America is supposed to basically. But yeah, so like I yeah, I don't feel like he did anything too extraordinary um in it. I mean, yes, he can handle the shield. I do wonder what that means, but they kind of gave us a little bit about his backstory that he, he was, um, his charts, you know, the testing was like off the charts. So that made me sort of believe like, okay, I can kind of buy that. Um, yeah, at least for now. Uh, what I thought was interesting about this episode, just talking about it in general, it felt like a movie, like the first one did. And, the series, in, in a different way than WandaVision did, felt, this feels like it's just going to be a six-hour movie. Like, essentially, it's, it's a six-hour movie. Like, we got, now, after seeing these first two episodes, we've seen a third of the movie. We're going to get into the middle part of the movie in the next two episodes, and then the final two episodes will be, you know, the climactic end to the film i loved how they did that because it all felt it, it all flowed well and it, and it felt like it's a part of an entire production versus you know just a regular television series that feels incredibly episodic uh wandavision i mean and i'm not saying this as an insult because it was a series that was an homage to television and, and television uh sitcoms in particular television comedies that one felt very episodic this is really feeling like a cinematic film that's you know cut up into parts um you know not comparing this at all to anything dc does but i know that uh, there was a certain movie that dropped uh, recently that was sliced up into chapters it kind of feels like we're seeing individual chapters of uh, a very long movie. Am I the only one that felt that way? Do do either of you have, have you, either of you gotten that feel as uh, especially after we watched the second episode? Uh, no, that you know I agree. It, it definitely feels more like a uh, a Marvel movie. But to be fair, you know to to you know WandaVision after they'd gotten through like the first four or five episodes where they were really sticking to the conceit of the TV show, then it became much more like this is, which is just a a sequential uh, movie. But again, you know, this, this whole thing is playing out, you know, seemingly very quickly, you know, in terms of, of movie time and, you know, just in terms of, you know, the presentation of it. Yeah, it does feel like a movie cut up into parts. It's, it's interesting, you know, to look at it, you know, afterwards to see which is the better approach. Because remember, this, is, this was supposed to be the first uh, Disney Plus uh, Marvel show. Um, and clearly they were sort of taking the idea of, well, we'll just take a six-hour movie and split it into, you know, parts. Um, and and it's great. I'm loving it. Except that you know the the weight between episodes is a little different than in Wandavision, where, where you know because they were more self-contained episodes, you really had that sort of you know payoff at the end of the episode, and then you could wait a week for the next one. So I, I don't know at the end of it whether it will be as satisfying, 
but so far I'm really enjoying it. I just, you know, do find myself wishing I didn't have to wait a week for the next uh, uh, part of the movie. I don't disagree with you on that. Uh, I think what's fascinating about WandaVision is that we, and I mentioned this on social media, it's like for that week in between an episode, like all I was doing was like theorizing. Like I was reading articles about the Easter eggs, about Mephisto showing up, about what, you know, this could mean. You know, the the professor would wax poetically about, you know, freeze framing 30 seconds and trying to find every single clue he could in those 30 seconds. Um, in this one, you know, I am... I'm finding the week to be feel longer because I'm not doing all of the theorizing. I'm I'm sort of accepting what we're seeing as it is because there really isn't much to analyze. It, it seems so far like a very straightforward Marvel film, uh, a straightforward uh, almost uh, what would you call it? Like a Winter Soldiery. And I'm talking about the film type of film, you know, where it's, you know, it's almost like a thriller. Uh, it's um, it's kind of it kind of has like buddy film type of uh, vibe to it with um, Sam and Bucky. So this is clearly much more straightforward MCU than we got with WandaVision. WandaVision was um, was its own beast, much like I feel like Loki is going to be its own creature as well uh which is a good thing uh, i mean you know we, we've heard little bits of some of the other series she hulk is going to be a legal comedy um i, I don't know what ms marvel is going to be i would assume it would be sort of like a coming of age type of drama uh maybe not like we're gonna have to wait and see uh priscilla what about you what, what did you think of or what do you think of how they're handling this series as compared to the only other one that we've seen that's officially a part of the MCU canon, WandaVision. I hate saying this because it doesn't, like, help numbers week to week, but this this really feels like it would be helped by binging it at the end. It feels like a movie, whereas... The WandaVision felt more like an episodic series. It felt more like you talk about it at the water cooler the next day. About you start theory crafting. You start analyzing it. You start talking to your friends about, oh my god, did you see her outfit in the 50s episode? It was so beautiful. Like, you just, you talk about it. Whereas this episode, like these episodes, you, you really don't. I don't know. I I almost had trouble coming into the podcast this episode because I was like, what are we going to talk about? This really felt more like it was like stepping up into the episode. Like it, it felt it felt like it was getting ready to do something big, but it really didn't do much of anything. Like the episode was, I don't know, just framing it was this episode yeah this episode really was as we like to say set up it it introduced uh the new players into the mix you know people like uh 
Carly, like uh, Walker. Uh, so, so it introduced them. It put those chess pieces into place. We were introduced to larger ideas, like the Power Broker, the GRC. Uh, where we're introduced or reintroduced to uh, uh, Zemo by the end of the episode. The first episode was really about reintroducing Bucky and Sam. This one was introducing the new chess pieces. And I would assume we get a little bit more into the meat and the potatoes in the next two episodes because we're going to get into the middle part of this film. I do agree with you, Priscilla. As the person that was kind of breaking this episode down, I was like, well, I mean, we can't really go in order order because this is kind of like a movie. So that's why I sort of picked characters and went through their arcs versus doing it incredibly sequentially because I... as well wondered how am I going to break this down because it really did feel like you know just the continuation of a film as far as digesting this I still see on social media it has an incredibly strong presence premiere day and and even into the weekend whereas WandaVision had a lot of theorizing this one has a lot more just straight up reacting to what we've seen um, you know, people just reacting to, like, let's say Isaiah or, you know, standing over uh, Sam and Bucky and, you know, excited because Zemo was mentioned and, and that sort of thing. So a lot of it is much more reactionary versus actively theorizing, like, you know, just the crazy theories. Talk about tinfoil hats, Professor, but just crazy theories, Mephisto of it all, with WandaVision. What's also fascinating is that this one, uh, the premiere and and the numbers for Disney Plus and that sort of thing, uh, I think eclipsed WandaVision. It it became like the number one you know premiere or something like that uh, when it dropped. So clearly, um, WandaVision did very well. But WandaVision was also, as I keep on mentioning, it was very different. And a lot of people did not, or or was not, they weren't appreciative of something different. You know, they wanted straightforward MCU. And this one is the product that is a lot more straightforward MCU. So I think this one is maybe a little bit more appealing to the general MCU audience versus WandaVision. I mean, it's a shame to say that because, like, the three of us, we loved WandaVision. You know, we all gave it A's and A-pluses as far as, you know, the the season as a whole. So we all really enjoyed it. So it, it is always a little sad when I read comments of, like, ah, this is better than WandaVision, or WandaVision sucked, and this is so much better, and that sort of thing. But, you know, taste is subjective to each their own. Why would you ever read comments? Well, because I like, to, you know, we're doing a podcast and it's nice to know what the people think, even though at the end of the day, ah, the I people know. should listen to what we have to say. We have the podcast. They only have their comments. Exactly. Yes. Doom cares not for comments. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Aww. Yes. Although, can I just say, because we only have four episodes left, the very lack of Sharon Carter kind of breaks my heart. I know. Uh, I mean, she did get uh, at least a call out. She did get episode, a shout out, yeah. But she was mentioned by name. And, you know, we we really don't know. Like, did she get dusted? Um, did she not get dusted? You know, what is she doing now? 
uh, because she would have obviously lost her job after getting, uh, you know, uh, Cap and, uh, and, and Falcon, their equipment back, um, uh, at the end of civil or towards the end of civil war. Uh, so obviously she lost whatever job she had then. What is happening with Sharon? She works for the GRC. No, that's not even a tinfoil prediction. That was just me sort of saying it. But it'd be funny now if that's where she worked. So at the end of the episode, we got a little tease of Zemo. Are we excited that Zemo's back? I will say I am because he was one of those villains that actually had a lasting effect with what he did. Um, so I'm here for it. Uh, both I of you. I like that he was shown playing chess, kind of like as if he knew that he was going to be called out sooner or later and he was just waiting for it like playing chess with people or playing chess with time just waiting for the moment when he was going to be set free mm, interesting professor are you a zemo stan uh you know what i i love daniel Bruhl. i think he's a great actor i really liked his portrayal of zemo as you know a very tightly controlled uh planning character um whether they continue to do that like whether we find out he's been part of the machinations that have been going on uh you know uh, all along uh or um you know if, if he's going to you know come in and do something different i don't know uh but i am looking forward to having him back i think he is you know he's a great actor and you know uh, again so far we haven't really had you know aside from the flag smashers and and as we said in this episode they kind of defang the flag smashers they showed that they're not the bad guys that we thought they were um, so, you know, so far our biggest bad of the season has been Batrock the Leaper. So I think we have to move on to a higher category of villains, uh, you know, by the next, and of course, systemic racism. Uh, but they haven't really named that as a villain. So, uh, I think we need a, a better quality, uh, a better caliber of villain. And I think, you know, the third episode, you know, moving into the second third is about the right time. Uh, I, you know, they've, they've been jerking us around with, you know, flag smashers and, you know, and, uh, and John Walker and all of that. But I think now it's time to put some of the cards on the table. Yes, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was good to see Zemo. We have to remember, he is anti-Avengers. So, uh, you know, are we to trust anything that comes out of his mouth? Will it be sort of uh, truths and a lie? He'll tell us a little bit of the truth, uh, you know, throwing a little bit of lie to sort of trip up our heroes and that sort of thing. We're going to have to wait and see. It's going to be hella interesting. Uh, Sharon, uh, hopefully you're not just a tease at the end of the episode and then we actually get her in episode four. Uh, it'd be nice to see Sharon Carter sooner rather than later. Yes, she's in the credits. You know, they show an image of her. That's where her name is going to be when she's in that actual portion of the episode. So uh, stay tuned, y'all. Was there anything that I missed, a teeny tiny little moment that either of you would like to bring up, an Easter egg or anything, uh, before we head into the MVP? Well, this isn't so much a teeny tiny little thing. It's just something I was hesitant to mention because uh, I'm afraid I'll burn out, uh, you know, uh, Priscilla's tinfoil. Um, oh. But, you know, I do, you know, occasionally make these, you know, wide-reaching predictions. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, so again, if, if you, Jeff, as the host of the show, think that, you know, Priscilla's in danger, I'll just keep it to myself because... I don't want to, you know, run any risks. Oh, no, you feel free to say it. Uh, I, I, I trust that Priscilla's uh, tinfoil will not fry. I, I don't know. You might want to, you know, throw on that, that double layer Reynolds wrap because, uh, uh, and here's why, you know, I think you guys were, were wrong about some of the things you were saying in this episode. It's because 
you know, clearly based on what was written, they're setting up John Walker to be a sympathetic character, just like they're setting up the Flag Smashers to be a sympathetic character. And also, it's, it's clear that John Walker does not have superpowers because we saw that in the scene. So here's what's going to happen within the next, I'm not guessing not this next episode, but in the fourth episode. Uh, either John Walker is going to get beaten up badly or more likely Battlestar is going to die. This is going to cause oh. uh, John to go into a shame spiral of, oh, my God, I couldn't do this. I didn't. I need powers in order to be Captain America. He's going to go to either the council or to the power broker and get these powers, but they're going to twist him. He's going to turn dark and evil, probably racist as well. Maybe he's going to slap his lovely wife. I hope not. I hope they don't go that far, but I think it's going to cause him to change. And that is what will make him unworthy of carrying the shield because nothing up until now has made him unworthy of carrying that shield. They have to do something to that character to make him unworthy so that Sam can step in and carry the shield. Um, So my suspicion is that that's what's going to happen because again, in the comic books, with the power broker, when you get powers, it usually comes at a price. And I think we're probably going to find that some of the super soldier flag smashers, um, either powers don't last as long or there may be some negative side effects that we're not aware of. Because otherwise, you've just got a magic tool for giving anyone superpowers that you want. And I don't think that's a, a, a smart way for the, uh, the Marvel Universe to go. So that is my oh. crazy prediction. But I would be astonished if by the end of episode six, we're not going, oh, oh, yeah, I guess in retrospect, that was kind of obvious. Wait, so does Battlestar die in the comics? Uh, I have Battlestar no idea. Battlestar doesn't I, die in comics, I but his wife does. Yeah, I don't read Captain America comics because he was the most boring character. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'm just saying that what based on what they've shown us, and again, not going into there with my I hate John Walker because he's not Captain America. I'm just going by what the writers have shown us in the episode. That is what is, is going to happen, and that's why... I'm, you know, reasonably certain that, you know, uh, you know, Sam is going to have to have the uh, the realization that, you know, he was worried, you know, and again, you know, I think part of it is is the racism, but I don't see a lot of that in Anthony. Again, we might get more of that when we get, you know, we might get some more flashback to his family and stuff like that. Um, but um, I think it's going to be, you know, more his refusal to take up the shield was him feeling he's not up to it, that, you know, no one could be because the guy who used to hold it was Steve Rogers. But when he sees you know, an absolute grade A asshole wielding the shield. Um, that's going to inspire him because, you know, as, you know, as he said in this, you can't, we just can't just walk up on the guy and take his shield. It's also kind of interesting. You know, I think there might be, you know, an, an interesting argument. And again, uh, fasten your tinfoil hat down really tightly for this one, because, you know, <laughs> the argument might be, well, that shield is government property, except it's from an alternate timeline, which means it wasn't made by this government, which means that it should have gone to who Steve gave it to. It should not have been given back to the government because that was never our Captain America shield. That was a different Captain America shield. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause it would have been the Steve that went back and yeah, exactly. And also it does look a little different. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So Priscilla, you're saying that in the comics Walker's wife dies and that's what makes him crazy. Yeah. Walker's wife and his parents die. Oh, well we haven't met the parents. Oh God. Well, that's not an, okay. Interesting possibility because, you know, John Walker is a, a public figure as Captain America, which means his wife would be a tar- target. And then that's the classic superhero trope of, uh, you know, why you keep your secret identity secret so your friend, your friends and your family aren't put at risk. Um, they, they could go that route, but I, I just felt they were setting it up that uh, the Battlestar is going to die or be badly injured, but mm-hmm. probably die. Maybe his wife's name is Martha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that would solve everything because he'd just shout Martha and then whoever he's fighting would go, oh. Wait, never mind. 
Ah, dang. I'd feel bad if Battlestar died, because he was a scrub, but he was, he, he was, at least he was entertaining. And it's not his fault that John Walker is horrible. If you're, if you're dinging John Walker for being a dick, Battlestar was more of a dick than John Walker was. What did he do? He was, he was, you know, he doesn't, he's not, he's nobody. He's, you know, he's Battlestar, for God's sake. Uh, he should have had, you know, the, uh, you know, it, it's like in, um, oh, uh, I think it was Iron Man 2, where, you know, uh, Rhodey becomes War Machine, and, you know, they're mocking him for the name. Uh, Battlestar is the sort of name you should have that, you know, it's, it's just there to mock you for having that name. Compared to Walker, I thought Battlestar was fine. Uh, Although, curiously enough, what if... Okay, Professor first and then Priscilla. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say, if, uh, if Battlestar had a... Uh, um, I had a sidekick, but they could name him Galactica. Oh, that's yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I could see that happening. <laughs> Priscilla, go ahead. Is this a theory, Priscilla? No, it was an Easter egg. Ooh. The Timo's prison cell number, 2187, is the same one as Princess Leia's prison cell number. Oh, wait, oh, it's a Star Wars crossover. Yep. <laughs> Although Erin Kellyman, uh, who plays uh, Carly, she was in Star Wars, and she's just uh, twenty-two. Solo. Yes, and she's just twenty-two, and she's already been in Star Wars and and now Marvel, two like the biggest, uh, you know, franchises in entertainment history. So she's one of the one of the few people who can go up to Samuel L. Jackson and go, "Yo, how's it hanging, my man?" Yes. Because he was in um, uh, Solo, wasn't he? No. But no, yeah. I'm saying Samuel L. Jackson was also in Star Wars and in Marvel. Well, yes, 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 yes. But that was, I thought that was hella fascinating. And she's only 22. So she's making all of that money. Make it. All right. So no other Easter eggs or teeny tiny moments? I guess not. So let's move into the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you at the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely. Let's start off with the professor. Who's your MVP? Tempted though I am to choose John Walker just to hear your teeth grinding. Uh, I, I got dare you to uh, Sebastian Stan. He was great. He was, uh, you know, he, again, we didn't get as much of him, but you know, him uh, in reaction, you know, him. Pl- Playing off of uh, of uh, Anthony Mackie, it was great. He had some fabulous lines, and also, you know, they they made a joke out of it. But man, he does do the brooding stare really, really well. And uh, no, I thought it was it was great. And just you know, the two of them together, you know, if I could give it to you know a pairing like that, I would. Uh, but yeah, Sebastian Stan, I thought was a lot more enjoyable in this episode, even though he had the humaning humanizing episodes, uh, you know, last time. Uh, in this one, you know, just seeing him, you know, going toe to toe. Uh, with Anthony Mackie, I thought uh, he was great. So Sebastian Stan, Bucky is my choice. Fantastic choice. Priscilla, what about you? Since you took my choice, the one I'm going to pick is Isaiah Bradley. I thought he picked, he did the pathos of being like the guy who was screwed over by the government agencies doing him wrong, doing him dirty by being like, I was in prison for 30 years and but also by being sassy too with him by by being sassy with Bucky, but being like I whooped your ass, I took I, I took your your half your arm, 
I was wondering if you were coming here so I could take the other half or if you were coming here to kill me. I was just like, wow, this guy's sassy for being an old man. I wonder what's behind this guy. And then you find out that he's also a super soldier, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, Isaiah Bradley. Another fantastic choice. Um, Part of me feels like I have to pick Anthony Mackie because no one picked him because he was fantastic, but I'm actually not because I'm going to give it to Carly Morgenthau. I was just impressed with her throughout the episode. Uh, You know, as I said, they humanized the Flag Smasher leader. They made her incredibly sympathetic and she played the fuck out of it. I got suckered in, and uh, yeah, I I thought she was fantastic. She just played the character really, really well. And um, you know, for it being the first time that we sort of got a glimpse of uh, you know the leader of this enigmatic uh, rebel organization, I I thought they did a really good job with it. So now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10, Captain America Shields? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden Captain America Shield. Let's start off with... Uh, well, she, you do not want to go first, right, Priscilla? Or did you want yeah, to go I first? Yeah, I don't want to go first. You do not want to go first. Okay. So Priscilla is uh, looking at her murder board. She's, you know, t- she's tying the <laughs> yarn together. So she's she's not ready just yet. So, Professor, you may go first. Golden Shield. Uh, you know, for all that we said that, you know, it, it felt incomplete, when you look at it, you know, and I just remember after watching it, it had the crackling dialogue. It had the great reveals about, you know, the, the mysteries of the past and the mysteries of the future and and the bad guys. Uh, it had a fantastic action scene. Uh, this was just, wow. I mean, as much as we say that it feels like chunks of a movie rather than episodes, this one episode I thought held together really, really well and left us on that, that great, uh, you know, Baron Zemo uh, cliffhanger of, oh, what's going to happen next? Because, you know, and introducing Zemo into the uh, the mix is, is seldom going to be good news. Um, so I think, you know, this shows a, a level of their desperation. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it was it was really just an amazing episode. All right, we've got a golden shield from out the gate. I'll go next, and I'm going to give it a nine and a half. And uh, for uh, basically all the reasons that the professor said, basically, uh, I thought it was a really great hour of television. I know that I said that it feels like chunks of a movie, but I was not saying that in the pejorative. Like, I'm saying that as as a positive. It just, it it feels incredibly cinematic, and it does feel like it's parts of a, of a whole thing. It feels like the entire production is just a six-hour movie, and, and I don't mean that in, in a bad way. Uh, we did get a beginning, middle, and end in this episode, and uh, so it, it still felt like an episode of TV. Um, it did leave me wanting more, which good television does leave one wanting more. Uh, the acting was fantastic. Um, there was a little moment that I, I guess I'm just now remembering that I didn't reference, uh, but uh, the the scene with Anthony Mackie and the kid in Baltimore, where he was like, you're, you know, Black Falcon. And he's like, what, because I'm black and I'm Falcon? He's like, yeah. So he's like, what are you, black kid? I thought that conversation was a an incredibly meta conversation for how, you know, a lot of characters in comics, 
you know, especially characters that are black, you know, have black in front of their name, Black Panther, uh, uh, Black Lightning, uh, it, you know, it, it is, it was an incredibly meta way to sort of, it, it basically throw shade at that practice. And I, I just, I love that moment so much. Uh, the, the other moment that I, that was really good that I'm just now remembering is the, what are you, White Panther? He knows, and he's like, no, it's actually White Wolf. And then he's like, what? Uh, so there were like little moments like that, just fantastic, magnetic. That they were just uh, both uh, Sebastian Stan and uh, Anthony Mackie were incredible together, as you know we all expected them to be. So I'm going to give it a nine and a half. Priscilla, you may remove the tinfoil hat and uh, you know remove the yarn from your fingers. Uh, where do you stand? How would you rate this episode? Okay, I'm not as bright as both of you guys are with this episode. I'm going to give it an 8. I felt that the John Walker, like, happy scenes were a little too, like, spread thick for the viewers. It was there to make them feel, like, warm and fuzzy about him, and I didn't feel warm and fuzzy about him, so I just felt like it was just kind of like a lie. For the viewers, I just felt like it was a waste of time. And the rest of the episode felt pretty good. I loved the Bucky and the, and, and Falcon scenes. And I loved the scenes with his therapist. And I loved the fight scene. But again, it just felt kind of like more set up. And it didn't really feel... Like, I, I left the episode in the end thinking, Oh, well, that was entertaining but but dot 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 what's next I didn't feel like oh my god that was great television like how I feel with nines and tens so an eight an eight ought to do it for me all right eight is not a bad score Uh, we have to I think I will say this you know anything above an eight is usually good. I feel like eight, nine, ten. You're really just nitpicking, you know, whatever you want to give. Um, that's what I will say. In defense of Priscilla, I feel like the professor is just—he's staring at you, buckily. <laughs> yes. And on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Avengers Initiative. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with The Professor. Thanks, Jeff, for making it weird. I feel much better. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) And Priscilla. Keep your tinfoil hats on tight, people.
I love it. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Avengers Initiative Falcon and Winter Soldier every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Radio Archives. Good night.